Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. We are in the, just the first couple of weeks of our new series called Glory and Redemption. And Bill, like I mentioned, he did a great job bringing to bear the glory of God in Genesis chapter 1 and, and just the impact that should have on our everyday life. So we are going to continue through Genesis and we're going to be, just to explain this series a little bit, over the coming weeks and actually months, and, and you can either get excited or groan, one or the other, we are going to be going through the highlight stories of the Old Testament. We're not going to be going through Genesis chapter by chapter. In fact, once we get through the fall and Cain and Abel, we'll skip ahead a couple chapters and talk about the flood. And then we'll skip ahead a couple of chapters and talk about the Tower of Babel. And those of you who grew up in Sunday school, these are going to be familiar stories. And uh, we want to give you a fresh perspective on them. And those of you who did not grow up in church life and the, the Bible is a new experience for you. We want you to get a grounding in these Old Testament stories because they are not just uh, empty history of things that happened to some people a long time ago. They are the record of God at work in the life of mankind and his desire that has always been and continues to be in relationship with us. And that we were created for a purpose, not just to exist, but to relate to God. And, and then there's something that happens here in the, 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 the timeline, in the history that we're going to read about next week that brings us from a point of being in relationship with God to needing redemption or to be bought out of slavery to sin so that we can be in relationship with Him again. But today, we're going to celebrate what God's original intent was in creation and in creating us as people. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 25 today. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. And here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25, we're going to be just focusing on what goes down in the Garden of Eden. And... Um, so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. The Bible app, you should be able to open it up, and it should give you Genesis chapter 2 here, verses 4 through 25. But let's uh, just go over those together, the whole chunk first, and then we'll go through some highlights. So Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says this. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold from that land is pure. Dilium and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, which flows through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which runs east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. 
God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and yet felt no shame. So the prayer, the hope for this whole series is like we talked about on Easter Sunday in Luke 24, 45, that our eyes would be opened, our minds would be opened, and we might understand the scriptures, that we might see in them. Sorry if whoever's mic I just kicked to the ground. I, I like to walk right up to this edge and stick my toes over the edge to keep them cool. Um, but but uh, th- that the prayer is that we will understand scripture, that we will be able to see Christ and the power of God, the glory of God, and his plan for relationship and redemption as we read through Genesis and Exodus and all through the Old Testament. Understanding that the Old Testament is not detached from our faith. Rather, it is the foundation of our faith. There's actually a pastor, <coughs> excuse me, I won't name him by name because most of you will know him, Andy Stanley, but he actually said that Christians nowadays should unhitch their faith from the Old Testament, that we don't need the Old Testament anymore. It can be a distraction and we'll get lost in legalism and stories. And the truth is, is that without the Old Testament, the New Testament it doesn't reveal to us the fullness of what God desires and longs for with us and from us. It doesn't reveal the full glory of God. And so we have to start in the Old Testament and have our mind open to understand scriptures to genuinely see Jesus and God for who he is and what he longs for from us. Now, as we talk about the, the Garden of Eden, it's important that, it's, that we see it as God's glorious creation for the sake of man to dwell in. And, and we, we see this big picture that, that God is the one who causes all of it, and it is for the sake of man that he does it. And so we see both in this, just a simple explanation, the glory of God and his longing, his desire for relationship with us that ultimately will lead to the need for redemption. So Genesis 2-4 starts this way. It says, these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, some people look at this and say, didn't we already go over this? This is, this is a, we've already heard this story. We, we have Genesis 1. And we do. Genesis 1 gives us the big picture of creation. It gives us the, the account of God speaking and things coming to pass. And then Genesis 2 goes back, and it's, it's a, a recapitulation or a, a review, if you will, that goes deeper into the circumstances of creation and gives us specific details about who we are as humankind and what God's plans are for us. So Genesis 1 ends essentially with creation being done and God calling it all very good. And then Genesis 2 rewinds just a little bit and gives us more detail about the creation of mankind and God's intent in that creation. And so first we start with an understanding that at that time, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. We, we start with this, this clear understanding that this is not something that happened by accident. This is not happened, uh, something that, that just, uh, you know, has always existed, but that God himself made everything that exists. Now, an, an interesting little tidbit. In chapter 1 of Genesis, the word for God used over and over again, every time we see it, is Elohim. And, and that is a generic word for God. Uh, it, you, you can call God, the God of all creation, Elohim. You can call God, uh, Baal over here, a false God, Elohim. Uh, because it's just a generic word for God. But in scripture, when we see Elohim, it is usually God, the God of creation. When we get to chapter 2 here, we see a different a word added to, to the words for God. So it says the Lord God, that is Yahweh Elohim. And so it, it is not just a God out there somewhere, but there's this specific God, the God of all creation, whose name is Yahweh. And he's the one that created 
He's the one that made. And so all of the other gods are meaningless. All of the other gods are powerless. It is this one God, Yahweh, Elohim, who is the one that has made and shaped and formed and created and breathed life into everything. And so he is the God that is worthy of worship. He is the God that is worth glorifying. Verse 7 <clears throat> We skip ahead just to some of the, the, the things that, that have been said and, and go to, to verse 7 where we get the next big act of God. And it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground <coughs> Springtime, right? <coughs> Excuse me. I, I guess. I don't know. This getting older thing's challenging. Um, I'll get back to the verse here in a second. I have a confession to make. So I'm 47, right? And for the last couple of months, I've been holding my phone further and further away from me. <clears throat> right? I know I'm still young. I'm uh, no denying that. But I've been holding my phone farther and farther away from me. And I've always made fun of my wife for having to wear glasses. And, um, and we were in Walgreens. We were in Walgreens the other day. And I said, I just can't read my phone. So I put on some readers and then I held my phone. And it was like a brand new phone. So I have my readers up here just in case. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll need them. I, could, I could think I can still hold my Bible far enough away to see it. Um, excuse me. But man, this, uh, this human condition is just, it's interesting. And it, it's changing all the time, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about why that is next week. But today, we're going to continue to look at what God intended for us in creation. So verse 7, we have this beautiful creation. We have an explanation of how things exist, that there are, the plants haven't really started growing and being fruitful yet, that, that mist used to come up from the ground to water them. And, and then in verse 7, we get this next thing that happens, that the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, he formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the, the man became a living being. So we see this next big act of God. He made, and then he gets down into the dust of the ground and forms man and breathes life into him. And so it is this beautiful picture of an all-powerful God who takes and, and intimately shapes the, the, the pinnacle of his creation, mankind, shapes him out of the dust, and then breathes life into him. Now, don't get a picture of like some old guy with a long beard and a robe doing CPR on, on a clay figure. But instead, it's a beautiful spiritual picture of God intimately granting life, breathing his own existence into mankind. And so God and man, out of all creation, are intimately linked by mankind's being shaped and breathed into. Now, <clears throat> thank you, Shelley. A, a couple of interesting things, uh, just nerd moment things for you. The word man is, that for anybody who wasn't familiar, it's actually Adam or Adam, right? And so we get Adam. Adam is the man. And so we call him Adam, but it's actually the word man too. So his name is what he is. It's kind of like naming your pet dog, right? And so it's just, you, you, you know, that's what he is. And the word ground is Adama. And so Adam is shaped from Adama. He is derived from this, this very thing and his very name comes from the thing he was formed out of. And then God breathes life of, into him and he becomes a living being. So God has made and God has formed and breathed. And then we see the next thing that happens. Genesis 2.8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he placed the man he had formed. So we see that God makes and that God forms and breathes. And then he takes the time to actually plant a garden for his special creation. Not just hey, I'm going to throw you out there, hope you land somewhere nice. It won't be Kansas. Um, but but, but hope, hope, it's, hope it's okay for you. And, and, and it, no, God doesn't just throw us out there. He, he creates a special place 
to meet with man. He creates a special place for man to live. It's interesting, some scholars say that the Garden of Eden is actually a picture of Jesus. Why? Because it is where God and mankind come together. In, in, in the physical, on earth. And, and Jesus is the, the fulfillment of that in perfection where God and mankind dwell together on this earth. So the Garden of Eden. Now, the word Eden literally means, it literally means well-watered. So we, we see this place that's well-watered. It, it can also mean delight or luxury. This is not just the place of some place like McMurray. It is instead, the name is rich. It means it's beautiful. It's luxurious. It's delightful. It's well-watered. Which is why when we see the things that come out of Eden, we shouldn't be surprised. What does it say is flowing out of Eden? Four rivers. Four rivers are flowing out of Eden. Eden is so rich. It's so fertile. It is so blessed that these four major rivers come flowing out of it and feed what, what is the, the whole of the known world in the time when Moses wrote down Genesis chapter 2. And so Eden is this beautiful, lush place that has been planted by God and then mankind is placed into Eden. And so you can see that God's desire, his, his initial plan for, for mankind was not one of just scratching together an existence, but instead one of deep blessing and intimate relationship that flows from the very beginning when God gets down into the ground and the dust and shapes mankind and breathes life into us. So God has shaped, or God has made, God has, has formed and breathed, God has planted, and then it says this, the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground Every tree pleasing for appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God has made, God has formed and breathed, God has planted, and God caused all of plant life to, 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 to begin to grow up in the Garden of Eden, including this, this stuff that's just beautiful and it's great for food. And there's two trees that it specifically mentions, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we have a tree that grants eternal life when it's consumed. And we have a tree that grants the knowledge of good and evil when it's consumed. Now, exactly what the knowledge of good and evil is, we're not 100% sure. Like it doesn't explain, but it's something significant and it's related to our understanding of life and understanding of morality. So God has these two beautiful trees planted in this beautiful garden. All of it did not come by chance. Every last bit of it is not the product of evolution or hope or maybe or comets or asteroids, but it is the willful act of God to create a place for mankind. It's his desire that we live in a place that's pleasing and intimate with him. Verse 15 says this, after talking about the Garden of Eden, uh, it, it describes, the, or it says this to us. It says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. So God planted the Garden of Eden and then God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. Now, these, these two things he's supposed to do. He's supposed to work it, and he is supposed to watch over it. Now, this is just a, a clear understanding of what God had said mankind's job would be back in Genesis 1. We were supposed to, in Genesis 1, it says, be the, the ones who were in dominion over all of creation, shepherding creation, caring for creation. And God specifically took Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden and told him, I want you to take care of things and I want you to protect my creation. Now, it's interesting that he's told to watch over it. It would imply that there is something that desires to destroy God's perfect creation. And it's Adam's job to keep that thing at bay. And we're going to see what that is next week. And Adam doesn't do such a good job. And those of you who you know, have read ahead, you know what's going to happen. 
But he was told, he was placed in the garden and told to watch or to work it and to watch over it. But what we see up until this point is that everything, everything finds its source in God. It is all his glory, his goodness, his power, his perfection, his plan. It is of God. But all of creation was intended to be for mankind. So it's this beautiful glory of God expressed and poured out that he might have a relationship with us. That he might be in relationship with mankind. And so God's intent as we read through the Garden of Eden, it is so beautiful, it's so sure, it's so amazing as we see his glory establish so many awesome things just to have mankind in relationship with him. Now, uh, it, it, the, the story goes to, and continues to unfold to tell us a little bit more about this relationship that God has with mankind. It says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God gives one specific command to Adam. And, and this is the, the, the crux, this is the heart of the relationship that God has for us. It is, I am providing everything you need. And I have one condition, walk in obedience. Just don't do this one thing I ask of you. Now, what's interesting is there are trees full of beautiful, wonderful fruit everywhere. And God just says, don't eat that one. Now we're going to see next week that Eve and Adam together are going to look and say, all the rest of that fruit doesn't matter. I just don't understand why I can't eat that one. And that's going to lead to the downfall of mankind. But what this is here is what some would call the beginning of the Adamic covenant, the, 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 the first standard of agreement, the first contract between God and man. Some call this the Edenic version, the, the Eden con, uh, version of the Adamic covenant. So it is the beginning of God's relationship with mankind. And he, he says, in relationship with me, I'm going to provide everything you need. I just want you to walk in obedience. And then we see this kind of, of covenant contract repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. We see uh, God tells Abraham, if you will follow after me, I will bless you. If you reject me or you disobey me, I will curse you. He says to the, the children of Israel, if you follow me and you walk in obedience, I'll provide everything you need and bless you. But if you're disobedient, there will be a consequence. He says to, to all of the Old Testament characters that he has interaction with, if you are faithful, I will bless you. But if you are disobedient... Our relationship will be broken and there will be consequences. And we see this in what God had said here in, in his command. You can have everything you need. I will provide for you. But don't disobey me or there will be consequences. And, and it's not a hard rule. You'd think just one tree we could manage. But next week we'll talk about the fact that we couldn't. <laughs> that mankind found it impossible. And so this is the, the first covenant, the, the, the first contract of obey and be blessed or disobey and be cursed that God establishes with mankind. And then verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So God sees that man, Adam, is alone and says he needs someone in his life. Now the word helper. In some church backgrounds. In some churches. They might look at this verse. And that word helper. And say that the person that God was going to provide for Adam. Was something less than. Or a submissive person. You know a servant if you will. But the weird and yet amazingly cool thing about this word helper. Or help is that it is used more times in the Old Testament to speak of God than of anyone else. 
And so when God says, I want Adam to have a helper, he's saying, I want Adam to have someone who will, who will provide what he is lacking. Adam is not complete. He needs someone to meet his needs in a sense of having strengths and abilities that he himself does not already have. And someone who will be able to turn to him for his strengths and abilities to complete them. So the word helper is not a negative word. It is instead one of of great power and privilege. And, And like I said, it's used more of God than it is of anyone else in the Old Testament. In fact, we can see some, some passages here. Uh, Psalm thirty three twenty says, We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Do, do you think that is degrading to God to call him our help? No, we lack and we need him. And so when we say that God is our help, he is our helper, we understand that he fills in needs that we cannot fill ourselves. He completes a lack that is deep within us. It says uh, in, in uh, Psalm 75, it says, I am oppressed and needy. Hurry to me, God. You are my help and my deliverer, Lord. Do not delay. In Psalm 115, 9, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So when we talk about helper. This is not some sort of subservient role that God has intended for the the one that is to come. Rather, it is one of completing the lack in the life of Adam. And so we're going to see that there are some attempts made to complete that lack that don't work out. So God, he makes the, the, all the animals, um, and, and they, uh, they kind of come parading by and, um, Adam actually names them all. This is, this is Adam's first activity. The first thing that Adam does to really reflect the image of God, even as God spoke and things were created, Adam speaks and animals have their names. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're called out and, and given names. And I, I would have been terrible at this. It has to prove that Adam was pretty bright. Because, you know, okay, four-leggy, wingy. Oh, there's another thing with wings, uh, more wingy. Uh, you know, just, uh, I would have been terrible at this. Eyeballs, yes, that's all I see there. But, but Adam names all of the creatures. It's, an, it's an, an act of creation. It's part of the image of God expressed in Adam. And none of those creatures turn out to be appropriate to be Adam's helper, his corresponding helper. And so uh, scripture says this, so the Lord God caused a deep, sleep to come over the man. It's like every Sunday afternoon at my house. Um, And he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So God sees that none of the animals are a helper that correspond properly. And then God makes woman. So once again, something that was incomplete, something that was a deep need for a man, God makes what's necessary. Everything, everything flows from the hand of God. Everything is a reflection of his glory and his desire for relationship and his desire to meet the the needs of mankind. All of it comes from him. And so... God creates woman. And then Adam says, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. So uh, this, this is actually, we can kind of see this as a worship song. God creates Adam's perfect helper, the one that corresponds to him. And that idea of correspondence is according to his opposite. In other words, this one is the one that fills in all of the the negative space in his life. 
and she's perfect. And so here it is, this worship song of, at last, after all of these things with fur and fins and scales have gone parading by me, you've created something, God, that's perfect. I couldn't have even imagined this. So this is like a worship song. This, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one is like me, but completely unlike me. And then this one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. It's, this is actually a word play. The word man is ish. And then the word woman is ishaw. And so it sounds alike. The root is the same, but there's something clearly different. Ish and Ishaw. And so this woman, she came from me. She's like me. And if we're going to go, you know, Jerry Maguire, she completes me. Right? Now we could, we could do the old pastor joke that when God, a uh, woman is called such because when God brought Eve to Adam, he went, whoa, man. <laughs> and uh, he was, you know, really enamored with her. But, but that's just a bad joke. It's really ish and ish shawl. And so it's, it's, a, it's important to understand. It's a, it's a play on words to help us understand how they are the same but different. And where did all of this come from? Where does all of this flow from? This whole garden, this, this relationship with, with God's creation, all of this beauty, all of this provision, where does it flow from? It flows from the very glory of God. It's his power, his authority, his goodness, his glory, his perfection that's just poured out in creation, all for the sake of relationship with mankind. Now, we shouldn't get big heads and be prideful, but it is important for us to wrap our minds around the fact that as men and women, as mankind, we are the pinnacle of the very best and the, the, the goal of God's creation. It was for us so that we might be in relationship with Him. That's what all of this is for. That's what all of this is about. And so when we read the Garden of Eden, we shouldn't just say, that's some interesting history. Instead, we should be just overwhelmed with the fact that this is what God wants for us. This was His plan. This is the perfection that he is trying to bring us to through Christ Jesus. He wants this kind of provision for us, this kind of intimacy, this kind of just wow in life for us, which is why it, it was necessary that Christ come and we find redemption. Now, it's interesting here, it, verse or chapter 2, in verse 25, the, the chapter ends with, Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. This is just a, a beautiful picture as, as they stand there in the glory of God and all the good things that he has provided and all of the amazing life that is right there before them. They are in perfect relationship with God and with one another. They, there, there is nothing to be ashamed of. There is nothing to be afraid of. There is no, 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 no pain. There is no struggle or suffering. Everything is as it should be. And they are in each other's presence and God's presence in perfect, peaceful relationship. Doesn't that sound good? Not the naked part, but, but the perfect, peaceful relationship. The, the, the nakedness, it's literal, but it's also symbolic of the perfection of their relationship with God and one another. And this is what we were made for. This is what we were shaped for. This is what God has knit each and every one of us together in our mother's womb for, is to experience His glory and to be in relationship with Him such that we can be spiritually, if you will, naked before Him and feel no shame. So that we can stand before him in all of his glory, in all of our frailty and nakedness, and just say, it is good to be in your presence. But that's not how most people live anymore, is it? 
We run away from God. We hide in the darkness. We're ashamed of ourselves because we have fallen. And we'll talk more about that next week. But this this understanding, the Garden of Eden, it reveals God's glory and shows His desire for relationship with us. So some things to take away this morning. Some things to go home with and say, here's the truths that I need to hold on to. When you look around this whole world, and this, this world as it stands today is dimmed because of sin. And it's not the perfection that it was meant to be because of the sinfulness of mankind. But even in its darkened state, it is still beautiful. And it still is the glory of God revealed to us. Every day, every circumstance, every fruit tree, every hamburger, every handshake, every soft chair, hard chair, every time you have to mow, every time there are dishes to do, it's all God's creation for us to glory in and reveals to us who he is and what he longs for from us. So I want to encourage you this week. Some of us are maybe struggling with the the, the things of this world or feeling like life is oppressive. And I want you to try and, and turn that around and, and understand that Genesis chapter 2 and God doing all of these great and glorious things, it was all so that we might know Him, but also it's for us. He longs for us to see His creation for what it is, a beautiful gift to celebrate. This morning, I had the misfortune of waking up early before my alarm went off. You ever do that like 20 minutes before and you're angry at the world the rest of the day? I missed 20 minutes of sleep. But guess what I saw? The sun peeking up over the horizon. It's like, oh, that's east? I've lived here five years and didn't even know that was east. And just, just know that when the sun pops over the horizon, it's not just the beginning of your day. It's a gift of God for you to look at and enjoy and celebrate that, that, that if the coffee brews right and it's perfect, it's something to celebrate and enjoy. And if it's a little bitter or if it's a little weak, it's still something to celebrate and enjoy. And, and every circumstance of life was created for us. Not so we could be pompous and demand more, but so that we could sit back and say, God has provided. Even in struggle, God has provided. So enjoy this creation that was formed and filled for us. Celebrate the gifts that he gives on a daily basis. And seek to live a contented life. Right? To be able to say, what God has given is enough. I don't need everything because I have exactly what he's blessed me with. The problem with Adam and Eve, we're going to find out next week, is that they weren't happy with what God had given them, and they wanted more. Today, this week, I challenge you to enjoy and celebrate and live contented, understanding that all of this is a gift from God. And then second of all, while everything around us was shaped and created and planted and given and caused for us, we were formed for God. We were formed for relationship with a creator. So I want to encourage you, if you have never understood your need for salvation, you've never come to a place where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and come to a place where you've sought His grace, that your relationship with the God who is the creator of all might be restored. I want to encourage you to to go and ask some questions of the believers in your life. The people you know are Christians and say, hey, tell me more about this salvation thing. Tell me more about getting right with God. This being naked before God sounds a little scary, but I would love to be at peace like that. I would love to be content before my creator like that. Seek relationship. And those of you who have been Christian for years... Renew your relationship with God. This world was shaped and filled and formed for you. He loves you so much. It's all a gift. And what he longs for in return 
It's just you. You were shaped, you were formed, you were breathed into for him. And he wants relationship with you. What does relationship with God look like? It means walking in obedience to what you understand in Scripture. Does it mean you have to be perfect? No. But it means you do your best to walk in obedience to the truths that you know today. Because you were formed for God and he longs for relationship with you and loving him expresses itself in obedience to his word. And then finally, some of you might just be struggling with your own self-worth. Now, I don't want you to get a big head, right? I don't want you to go out and say, God made me for, because he likes me a lot and I'm special. I mean, you are, and he does, and he did make you for things that are great. Don't get a big head, but some of you are maybe struggling and saying, I'm not worth anything. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. God knit you together in your mother's womb is what scripture says. Now, I've, I've told you guys this before, um, I'm, but I'm getting old enough, I, I get freedom to repeat the same stories over and over again, and everybody just go, oh yeah, that's just Michael, right? But I can't crochet. I tried. I can't crochet or knit worth a darn. All I can do is just, like, mostly it's, it's just making long series of knots when I crochet. It's not easy, though. It's not easy to make a sweater, it's not easy to, to make a blanket to give to the kids or the grandkids. To knit something together is something that is of deep value and, and it expresses love and care and a pouring out of self. So what Scripture says that God knit us together in our mother's womb, it is this picture of God pouring himself into us as individuals. It wasn't just a long time ago, one day, God formed man and now we're just by chance who we are. But instead, each of us is shaped by God and knit together. And we were knit together by him for himself. And as such, we're valuable. We have an innate value. And so when you look at yourself in the mirror, you should see not just your reflection, but instead a beautiful creation of God. Created with a purpose, and that purpose is to walk with Him in relationship. You are valuable. And so, understanding that can help you to grow as a Christian. So, this week, this week, understand that everything was formed and filled for us. Enjoy, celebrate, and live contented lives. And then understand that He did all of that because. He wants us. And he made us for himself. And he longs for relationship, for us to walk in obedience and accept our values, our value in his eyes. So hopefully today, as we've looked at the Garden of Eden, this verse has come true a little bit more in your life. That as we unfold these stories in the Old Testament, these historical accounts in the Old Testament, that our eyes and our minds are opened and we understand the scriptures a little better. And we can see that God has always had the plan for us to walk in relationship with him and reveal his glory. And so when we talk about glory and redemption, we know that it's not just by happenstance or accident. But everything that is was always meant to reveal the glory of God and draw us into relationship with him. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, if, if as the worship team comes up to close us out, if you would just take a moment and bow your head or lift your eyes to the sky, whatever, whatever posture you would like to assume in order to just commune with God for a moment, to thank him for some of the good things that he's given you today, to be thankful, to, to express that contentment, that joy, that you would maybe even go so far as to just say, God, this is good stuff. And to thank him for the things in this life. And then, and then if you need to talk to God about your distance from him, about your disobedience, about your desire for relationship to be renewed, I, I encourage you just to take a moment and honestly express to God your fears or your frustrations regarding your relationship with him. So let's just take a moment and and spend in quiet personal prayer.
prayer or contemplation. And then the worship team will close us with our last song of the morning.
Father God, we thank you for today and this time. We pray that as we remember the history of Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden, that we might meet you here, even as you met with Adam and Eve. That we might be able to stand before you, our true selves, in perfect relationship through your Son, Jesus Christ. Just like they stood before you, naked and unashamed. Help us to be just bare before you, raw and unashamed because of your great love for us expressed through Christ Jesus and the salvation that comes to us, the holiness that is given to us when we trust on him as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the the beauty of your word and how it teaches us that you want to meet with us, that you want to provide for us, you want relationship with us. Not because you are lacking, not because you are needy, but because you are glorious and you want to bless us. And so this morning, would you meet us here as we submit ourselves to you, as we seek to be in relationship with you through through your son Jesus. Meet us here and fill up our needs. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray this morning. And in him we trust for salvation and this newness of life and holiness that you've promised. Amen. We're going to take about a five-minute pause. Looks like right about noon we will kick off the the, uh, called business meeting just for a couple of minutes. If you don't want to stay for that because you're not a member or you you just aren't interested as a member, that's fine. Uh, We just ask that everybody who's going to stay for that... uh, over the next few minutes, make your way forward so we're not yelling at each other. And then we'll call ourselves to order, have a couple of uh, moments for any comments, and then vote up or down on the proposal. If you haven't seen the proposal or you'd like to see more of it, there are some copies on the front row up here. Or if you have any questions, please check in with Steve or Shelly or myself about how we came to this or, or why we're proposing this, any of those things. So God bless you all. Encourage you to attend throughout the week, Monday night, 7 o'clock downstairs. Wednesday night is a women's Bible study, 6.30 in the women's ministry room. Thursday night, students. Uh, we're not doing 1829 this week because our homeschool groups are using the building. And see everybody, you've got opportunities next Sunday as well for Sunday Bible school at 9.37 and then service at 10.45. So God bless Have a great week in rejoicing in what he's blessed us with and seeking relationship with him.